0: All five lights are on, and we go green in Monaco. There's a lot of been for Pascal Wehrlein further back, and Evans has got a good getaway. He might have the inside coming into Sandovot. Locks both his front wheels. Price tries to hang it around the outside and keeps second position. Everybody else steaming in. Ras, that three wide, coming up through... I fully disagree with people calling it sounding like a vacuum cleaner. It does not at all. It's completely different. I started to enjoy, actually, the sound these cars make. It's quite cool, it's futuristic, it feels powerful, it feels fast, also thanks to that sound.
1: Fully agree with Nico Müller. That was him. He obviously likes fast cars, especially while driving them. Nico is a professional Formula E driver.
2: And we are very proud and excited to have him on this episode today. Because... We are off to the races.
1: Yes. someone's off.
0: Oh, and there's a contact there. That is Sims in trouble. There's also someone off at Mirabeau.
1: From know-how to wow.
2: The Bosch Global Podcast. Hello, listeners. Hello, Milena. Ah. Oh, I see you're already <laughs> pretty much into the sound of this episode.
1: I uh, truly am. I got a new gadget. It's my podcast, control unit
2: Oh man! Uh, to be honest <laughs> to me it sounds more
1: it optimizes <laughs> our episodes it tells us when to speed up or step on the brakes it decides who's in the driver's seat basically Oh good. and it gives you a metaphorical red light when it's time to stop talking
2: I think this is going to drop
1: on this episode we will share some exciting developments from Bosch Motorsports
2: are you a big motorsports enthusiast Milena? Ah.
1: Uh, I, I wouldn't really call myself an enthusiast, to be honest. Um, ah, but yeah. In, in general, I have to admit, um, watching people driving in circles for hours, and well, most of the time, uh, the decision who wins is between a few people only. It's super loud. Wow. Except except for Formula E. Right. But yeah, I don't know. It's not really my cup of tea. I uh, prefer playing Mario Kart <laughs> and <have laughs> video game nights. <laughs>
2: I'll have to challenge you to that sometime.
1: <laughs> yes, please, but no chance, really. I'm, I'm, I'm really good at that.
2: Mm-hmm. We'll
1: see. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, obviously, I can see why why motorsports has a huge fan base, and you can basically feel the driver's adrenaline yourself. I think. Mm-hmm. Not all race cars are the same, though. This is what futuristic race cars can sound like, for example. That's not
2: exactly how I remember Formula One. That sounds more like the old (laughs) RC cars I used to play with as a kid.
1: Yeah, it's not. It is Formula E. Uh It's an electric race car, and Formula E races are pretty intense. Let me tell you that.
0: He's going for it now. Oh, what a move. Evans up through Beau takes the lead of the Monaco E-Prix. just phenomenal stuff. Brilliant stuff. That is proper
1: bravery.
2: <laughs> I can't even yeah. see that video right now, but you can actually feel the intensity.
1: Absolutely. There's, there's
2: a lot going on. Yeah. And and when you can hear, obviously there's there's the whine of the motors themselves, not the roar like a traditional motor, but that whine.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And even even with that, which is not nearly so loud, you still hear all that road noise going on, which really really explains how fast these things are going. Yeah. So this is how we're talking about Formula E, because it really hints at what the future of e-mobility could bring. It's urban, it's sustainable, and obviously it's highly innovative. It is...
1: Wow. Check. Those are some of the things that make it exciting. But considering that we're a tech podcast, we will get into what it means when you swap out the fuel tank for a battery and the V6 engine for an electric powertrain. I mean, aside from the different sound, obviously.
2: (laughs) Change accelerated is Formula E's very apt, that is to say, very matching slogan. Mm. So let's find out more. Who could be a better spokesperson to talk to than a Formula E driver?
1: Mm -hmm. We already briefly heard from him in the beginning.
0: I'm Nico Müller. I'm a professional race car driver in Formula E with Dragon Penske Autosport. So you know, traveling the world to go and race fast cars. So pretty much living the dream, as I, as I would call it. <laughs> living the dream
2: is no joke. My favorite personal slogan. Nico and I are gonna get along real well.
1: <laughs> it has a ring to it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, to prepare for this episode, I I watched some Formula E videos. And Nico Müller's car has some nice Bosch logos on it. Of course. I realized. (laughs) We will have the link uh, to the video in the show notes.
2: Absolutely. And yes, Bosch joined the team as a long-term engineering partner. Mm -hmm. So Nico Müller, is he a German
1: driver then? He's Swiss. ah, But uh, he's well known in Germany too, because uh, he has long been a driver in DTM, which uh, stands for Deutsche Tourenwagen Masters. Oh, that's a good one. don't know if if you heard of that. Beside other racing series, he drives Formula E as well.
0: Okay. Initially I was like, okay, what is this going to be? I mean, yes, I was a bit skeptical when I watched it at first or before I first saw a proper race, let's say. But then very quickly I, I started to see the exciting challenge in Formula E. So what is it that he finds
2: exciting? I mean, uh, just to play devil's advocate, just looking at some of the numbers, this sport sounds a little... Meh. I mean, <laughs> you know, the, the cars are slower than in Formula One, mm. and, and a race is only 45 minutes long. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, what are the folks really getting their money for?
1: But the speed of the car will seem much faster because they rarely race on racetracks, but in the heart of cities like Rome, Berlin, and New York. It's a rather narrow street race tracks. Pretty cool.
0: Slightly yeah. different. Okay. Driving on non-permanent tracks in cities between walls, that creates a lot of adrenaline.
1: As spectators, you and I could get much closer to the track too, which is also pretty cool. And for the length of the race, it's 45 minutes plus one lap. And that is actually a really interesting element, because at the beginning, you don't know exactly how many laps it will be in the end. You don't know what distance you're going, but you only have one battery charge.
2: So there's no
0: recharging?
1: Nope. No pit stops at all, at least for now. So they really have to manage their energy consumption very well.
0: For us, behind the steering wheel, there is a new factor coming into play in this form of racing, which is efficiency. You have to manage your energy whilst you're racing. And you don't only go from A to Z, meaning from the start to the finish, as quickly as you can. But you also have to be as efficient as possible whilst doing so. And I think that's a challenge for the drivers in terms of free brain capacity that you need to have in order to be able to to manage that. You cannot just be fully occupied by driving the car on the limit, you need to have some, you know, spare brain capacity Mm -hmm. to manage your energy. And I think that's why it's one of the most challenging forms of motorsport out there at the moment. Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah, and and that makes complete sense. I mean, when you watch these races on the city streets and you imagine what it would be like for you driving one of those cars. (sighs) I mean, personally, I would be totally white-knuckled on the steering wheel, completely focused on simply not crashing.
1: Same. Yeah.
2: I mean, I'm, I'm, my pulse is getting up just thinking about it. Plus the, the mental load of trying to do that, you know, fast, obviously, and reach the finish line first, but – having enough energy to go full speed all the time.
0: Mm
2: -hmm. Uh, A totally new dimension to the sport. And actually, as we were preparing, it reminded me of uh, a famous saying from the famous driver, Juan Manuel Fangio, to finish first, you first must finish.
1: Yeah, That sums it up pretty well. Which is totally Mm -hmm. (laughs) accurate. And every team has to use the same battery, so you can't just put more power in your car. But there is a way to recharge the battery during the race.
0: So instead of braking via the mechanical system and just generating heat on the brake discs, pretty much, you want to put that energy back into the battery, which we call a regeneration phase. So you're basically braking with your motor and recharging the battery whilst doing so.
2: And that's one of the big advantages of every e-motor. It can work as a power generator while braking.
1: Theoretically, you could save a lot of energy that way. But there are limits to it when the battery gets too hot, when you constantly recharge and discharge it. That's one thing that Nico and his team has to keep an eye on, the battery temperature. Plus,
0: the rules are, you know, giving you a pretty narrow window within what you can play because in Formula we were only allowed to regenerate on the rear axle. Means when you do so, it feels like somebody's pulling your handbrake and uh, you cannot, you know, put just a huge number of negative torque through your rear wheels, otherwise they will lock. So you don't really have the exact same braking power as you would when you brake with four
2: wheels. So Molina help us understand the actual car setup. Oh, I can, I can does, try. Does Nico... <laughs> yeah, come on, I know you know this now. <laughs> Does Nico still have uh, two brake pedals now? One for for the regen motor brake and then also one for the the classic disc brake? Mm. How does that work?
1: So as far as I've understood, the classic brake is a foot pedal. But for regeneration, he has a pedal on the steering wheel. Mm. So he has to decide. Go fast for as long as possible and brake as late as possible using the classic brake. Or brake earlier and regain some of that energy. And then there is another way to save energy.
2: Oh, no. Oh, God, the beeping. Oh, it's like my alarm. I'm already awake.
1: Okay, okay, okay. So These are sounds that Nico constantly hears during a race. Beep, beep. <laughs> yep. they, they help him a little bit to take off that mental load that you also already mentioned, um, of yeah, constantly having to manage the energy usage.
0: The single beep that we get is the one that suggests us in a certain location on the track to come off the throttle before you naturally would because you can still keep accelerating and make the corner. But to do the most efficient lap with the amount of energy you have available, the car then suggests you lift at this point, you coast for a short amount of time, so you just sail, as we would say. You are not on the throttle, not on the brake, you're just rolling. And then there's another beep coming after that in a kind of a different tone. (laughs) We call them kind of beep and bobs. And um, that one then suggests to regen So to pull the paddle in that location. So you start slowing down for the corner, which is coming up. And then you decide by yourself when you also need to apply brake pressure at the same time. So once you see that the stopping power that you get from the regen is not enough, you start to add on. The front brakes at the same time. So beeps and bops.
2: That's. Uh, <laughs> I mean, we're getting we're getting conditioned by machines in every aspect of life these days, even in sports. I love it. Yeah,
1: but but these beeps and bops, um, they're almost like a navigation system. But instead of turn rate, right, they say step off the throttle or pull the regen brake, and this gives him the ideal positions from an energy perspective. If he keeps accelerating past the beep or kicks in the regeneration later than the bop, he knows he'll have to save some power at a later point in the race.
0: It gets kind of normal, to be honest. In the race you have a lot of beep and bopping going on in the car, (laughs) and hopefully
2: it helps you to be efficient. (laughs) I personally would just hope that those those noises were a little less annoying than what you had in your (laughs) podcast control unit.
1: Okay, Okay, I stop it. No more beeps and bops, I promise.
2: Okay, thank you
1: there are some other elements that make Formula E really interesting. There's Fan Boost, where you can vote for your favorite driver, and the five drivers with the most votes can use an extra power boost for just a few seconds during the second half of the race. And then what's even more fun is Attack Mode. Nico and the other drivers can activate Attack Mode by leaving the ideal racing line and driving over a specially marked area on the side. This might make them lose time or even a position first, but then attack mode gives their car extra power for a while, so they can hopefully get ahead of the competition.
2: So a special area on the track Mm -hmm. that gives you more speed, and all of a sudden I feel (laughs) like we're referencing a video game again.
0: Yeah, the next step will be the bananas we are throwing out, so (laughs) let's see when they come.
1: That's what I thought. <laughs>
2: okay. Well that'll be a crowd pleaser for sure, seeing all the cars spinning around on the track. Great.
1: And out of a sudden I'm super into Formula E. <laughs> there we go. See,
2: that's all we needed.
1: <laughs> By the way, all these things that we talked about, the lower noise level, the races in cities, the relatively short races and the gamification, they have attracted a very different crowd, in fact, than yeah, you would normally find on a racetrack is like, yes, it's much more of a family event. It's a different atmosphere, I think.
2: Yeah, it sounds like a really good time. I'm going to have to uh, go look up some of those tickets for NYC when we're done recording.
1: Well, um, the next race of the current season will take place in July great. in New York.
2: That's right around the corner.
1: Yeah, kind of. So if you go, tell Nico I said hi. Will do. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, don't forget to check the corona restrictions.
2: Yes, ma'am. Of course.
1: Uh, then in Berlin, we can expect the great finale of season seven.
2: But Melina, let's talk a little bit about the behind the scenes, about the engineering that Bosch is doing. You know, you you often hear what a motorsport really is. It's an engineering competition.
0: So what does Nico have to say about that?
1: Yeah, I think he would agree. Mm -hmm.
0: You need smart engineers who build an efficient car, who have smart software that can help you manage the energy in the best way. So every single team member plays a very big role
2: yeah, absolutely. It is a team sport, even though it's just the driver driving at the one time. So so there's a reason uh, someone from Team Bosch, who provides Formula E teams with hardware and software, and of course, in particular for our partner, Dragon Penske.
3: I'm the project manager within Bosch Motorsport for the customer project within Formula E. So basically handling everything from the development of the needed components to the software development that we need to put some performance on the car. This is
2: Christian Schimpitz. The main product that Christian and his team work on, what is at the heart
3: of the Formula E car, is the vehicle control unit. -hmm, So it's the central device within the car collecting all the data from the sensors, calculating whatever you need, handling the energy management and the torque management to the yeah, at the moment, one motor in, in future front and rear axle, yeah to distribute the torque and to distribute the energy in the best way possible.
1: Wait, does this mean we have found the, the one person who's responsible for the beeps and bobs?
3: Well, the, the VCU <laughs> is,
2: yes.
1: Okay, but aside from the beeps and bops, is that new? I mean, cars have had computers and control units for a while, right?
2: Yes, of course. Uh, but in Formula E, the VCU, again, that's the vehicle control unit, is much more important in In other racing series there 's a lot of attention on the motor itself and on the motor control unit mm. but in
3: formula e there just isn 't as much to control because of the electric motor mm-hmm. so complex wise an electric motor is just a fraction of a combustion engine, so for the control of it and for the supply of senders it's it 's not that interesting. Or maybe, let's say, it's not more
2: interesting than the sensor data from all the other components of the cars.
1: How many sensors are we talking about here?
2: Well, I mean, a very basic setup. I mean, you're you're talking about 10 or 15. Mm. But you could easily connect well over 100 sensors to the VCU. And, and the thing is that when you're connecting all of those sensors, you somehow then have to make
3: sense of all that data.
1: So the VCU has to make sense of it.
3: Yes, exactly. Thank yeah. you. Mm. For sure, the challenge is to collect these hundreds and thousands of information and to put it together to one piece to gain track performance, to make sure all the data is there at the right time and in the right quality, but also on the performance side to think about new and to rethink existing functionality to put down more performance on the track.
2: And chasing track performance in this way is something actually kind of new for Bosch. As we're becoming a software company, because in e-mobility, you can often achieve much better improvements by tinkering with the software rather than with the hardware. And again, the hardware setup is much simpler to begin with.
3: And uh, that can be a new approach or an additional approach for us once we are no longer able on an electric motor to take care about the same amount of parts that we can supply to deliver performance.
1: Oh, that's really interesting because Nico basically says the same thing. Software is what makes the difference.
3: Those
0: you know, software statuses, let's say they evolve throughout the whole season. They get better and better weekend by weekend pretty much. And I think that's where you can make the biggest difference in Formula Eight. If you make the driver's life easier by you know, taking away tasks from him, by giving him clearer information, clearer instructions, he can do a better job. And that's, yeah, one of the key factors, definitely. And you will directly see it in lap time, in efficiency. And that's the big factor of Formula E.
1: But it's not just Formula E, I guess. That software becomes more important is true, not just for race cars, but for everyday cars, for serious production as well, I'd say.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And and it's it's also not stopping there. Uh, with some of the attention shifting away from the motor itself, a lot has changed on Christian's engineering team.
3: The system level is rather important. It's not coming down to single components, but it's coming down to, to a bunch of components working together and uh, putting everything down in a system layout and in software.
1: Okay, the the system level is more important than the single components. Mm-hmm. What, what does that mean exactly?
3: <laughs> well, Christian has something to say about that. Now, for example, with recuperation on the motor, there's a whole new aspect in electric racing that you also need to cover in all the calculation that you have. So in the past, you had different departments taking care of different parts of the vehicle, like the braking system and the motor department. And now it started really with ABS, where you also need to reduce the motor torque for traction control, so ABS or ESP. But then now with recuperation coming into account with electromobility, you have a huge new level of cooperation between the braking system and the propulsion system, in this case, the electric motor.
1: Mm, Okay. So basically that means that everything has to work together. All the components have to talk to each other.
2: Yeah, because in fact everything is at the end one system. The barriers between the individual parts are are absolutely coming down. Mm -hmm. And that means that the barriers between the people are being removed too. Mm -hmm. On Christian's team, the motor folks now have to work much more closely with the people who are in the braking system, for instance.
1: Mm. So just like the components talk to each other more, the engineers have to talk more as well. (laughs)
3: Yes. (laughs) In the past, there was also a high benefit in just optimizing one part. You now need to put a better focus on finding the trade-off between spending time to optimize the single component or talking to other departments to find a trade-off between two components. So maybe the optimized single component is not the best one. Yeah, you need to find, you need to find trade-offs for both components to have the best system.
2: Which is another thing that will become more important also outside of uh, Formula E. Mm,
1: That means it's not only technology itself that gets developed for these race cars and eventually will find its way into serious production. It's also the engineering approaches that Formula E serves as a test bed for. Kind of. Yes,
2: very well said, Melina. <laughs> and, and I'm sure some of that technology developed for Formula E will make its way uh, in different shapes or forms into future consumer cars as well. Sounds like it, yeah. Of course, we'll stay curious about that, and maybe, maybe that's a topic for a future episode.
1: Thinking back to Nico, the driver, isn't he part of that system that is the race car too? I mean, he, he's a pretty important component of it. I would say. Well,
2: yeah. I mean, from, from a, a sports perspective, that's uh, that's kind of the goal. And It's such like horse racing. I mean, the, the driver and the car become one in a way.
1: Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah.
3: From the driver input to the motor output and in the same way to the driver output, everything needs to work together as one piece because then it's getting the most performance. So, yeah, that's... That's the highest level of system that you can think. And this is what you definitely need to put in center. In the end, it is the driver driving the car. So there definitely needs to be driver focus in all the development.
1: Yeah. Well, guess what? Nico basically said the same thing.
2: I'm sure he
0: did.
1: (laughs) For him, it's more or less the essence of his sport to become one with the car.
0: Since I've you know first got in touch with motorsports and I got to drive a go kart, I just loved you know gelling with a machine and trying to extract the maximum out of a vehicle and bringing it to its limits.
1: And that gelling, as he calls it, that can always be improved.
0: You always want to gel even more with the car itself. You want to feel like whatever the situation and the circumstances are, you are able to extract the maximum out of the package, out of the car, out of yourself. And, you know, it's, it's very, very difficult to get close to that perfection. You know, the cars will always get even more efficient and they will develop new features in the software that will help you to preserve even more energy or to regenerate more energy whilst you brake and so on. So the learning never stops and that's making it so exciting.
1: Beep. <laughs> Beep, boop, boop. Sorry,
0: Melina, You promised.
2: <laughs>
1: All I wanted to say is that I think we've we've reached the finish line <laughs> short today. Wave that checkered flag. Final lap
0: coming down into the new Nouvelle Chicane. to Costa to the outside and to the lead! Oh God,
1: that
2: sounds so cool. I love it. I love it.
1: <laughs> Me too. <laughs> takes the the Fiesta Gita driver hits the front. The reigning champion is
0: going to secure <laughs>
2: Oh, man. You know, I think I hadn't fully realized or appreciated what a shift to e-mobility really means. It's so much more than just swapping out one powertrain for another. It it really means a shift in the integration of uh, the systems. Mm -hmm. Uh, It means a change in the way the whole automobile gets developed.
1: Yes. And it's interesting that with all the software, you still need human drivers like Nico. I think he made it pretty clear how much decision making he has to do during a race. All the technology is there to help him make the best decision.
2: And I'm personally ready for more e-mobility. I'm sure it will be a topic that we get to revisit from time to time on this podcast.
1: Sure, guess we'll do that. But next time we'll have a completely different topic. We'll look at how AI can help save lives.
2: Can't wait. See you all then.
1: Me too. Bye bye. From know-how to wow. The Bosch Global Podcast.